Chapter Seventy Seven of the Wild Huntress. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Wild Huntress by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter Seventy Seven. The Surprise. The White Cloud a puff of powder smoke had scarcely scattered in the air when a dark mass appeared upon the plain emerging from the sulphureous vapour it was a troop of horsemen the warriors of wakara on giving the signal they had issued forth from the lower canyon and were coming up the valley at a gallop they were too distant for us to hear their charging cheer but from right and left proceeded a double shout a war cry answering to our own and the moment after a stream of dusky forms was seen pouring down each bluff through the sloping gorges that led to the plain we could hear the shout that announced the astonishment of the arapahoes it betokened more than astonishment there was terror in its wild intonations it was evident that they had been taken altogether by surprise having no suspicion that an enemy was near least of all the dreaded foes who were now rushing forward to surround them the red men are rarely betrayed into a panic accustomed from earliest youth to war with all its wiles they're always prepared for a stampede it is the system they themselves follow and are ever expecting to be practiced against them they accept the chances of attack no matter how sudden or unforeseen with all the coolness of a contest premeditated and prearranged even terror does not create confusion in their ranks for there are no ranks and in conflicts with their own race combinations that result from drill and discipline are of little consequence it is usually a fight hand to hand and man to man where individual prowess prevails and where superior personal strength and dexterity conduct to conquest it is for this reason that the scalp trophy is so highly prized it is a proof that he who has taken it must have fought to obtain it when hair is raised in a night attack by the chance of an arrow or a bullet it is less esteemed by the laws of indian warfare the stratagem of assassination is permissible and practised without stint but a coup of this kind is far less glorious than to slay an enemy in the open field and under the broad glare of the sunlight in conflicts by day strategy is of slight advantage and superior numbers are alone dreaded it was the superior numbers of the utah enemies that caused dismay in the ranks of the arapahoes otherwise they would not have regarded the mode of attack whether their assailants advanced upon them in a single body or in four divisions as they were doing indeed it was merely with a view of cutting off their retreat 
that the utah chieftain had adopted the plan had he not taken the precaution to approach from all sides at once it would have been necessary for him to have waited for the night before an attack could have been made in daylight it would have been impossible to get even within shot range of the enemy the arapahoes were as well mounted as the utahs and perceiving their inferiority in numbers they would have refused to fight and ridden off perhaps without losing a man the strategic maneuver of the utah was meant to force the red hand to a conflict this was its purpose and no other it was likely to be successful for the arapahoes there appeared no alternative but stand and fight the attack coming from four points at one and the same time and by superior numbers must have caused them fear how could it be otherwise it failed however to create any remarkable confusion we could see them hurrying around the butte in the direction of their cavalada and in an incredibly short space of time most of the warriors had leaped to their horses and with their long spears towering high above their heads had thrown themselves into an irregular formation the plain at this moment presented an animated spectacle he upon the summit of the butte if still alive must have viewed it with singular emotions the painted arapahoes clustered around their chief and for the moment appearing in a close crowd silent and immobile from north south east and west the four bands of the utahs approaching in rapid gallop each led by its war chief while the ug aloo pealing from five hundred throats reverberated from cliff to cliff filling the valley with its vengeful echoes the charge might have been likened to a chapter from the antique an onslaught of scythians would the arapahoes await the shock of all four divisions at once all were about equally distant and closing in at equal speed surely the red hand would not stay to be thus attacked carambo i wonder they're not off before this shouted archelite who was galloping by my side ha yonder added he a party on foot making from the grove of alamos they are waiting for those to come up that's what's been detaining them mira as the mexican spoke he pointed to a small tope of cottonwoods which grew isolated about three or four hundred yards from the mound out of this was seen issuing some fifteen or twenty arapahoes they were on foot except three or four who appeared to be carried by the others they're wounded continued the trapper they've had them under the bushes to keep the sun off them i suppose mira they're meeting them with horses they mean flight then a party with led horses were seen galloping out from the base of the butte evidently to take up the men on foot 
were still hurrying towards their mounted comrades as fast as the nature of their duty would permit them there were several groups of the indians on foot each no doubt in charge of a disabled comrade one crowd appeared to encircle a man who was not borne upon their shoulders but was moving forward on his own feet the violent gesticulations of those who surrounded him drew our attention the man was evidently being menaced and urged forward as if he went against his will carai exclaimed the mexican he is not one of their wounded a captive one of your camarados i dare say no doubt of it i replied at that moment equally guided to the conjecture wah exclaimed the trapper the poor fellow's scalp is in danger just now i wonder they take all that trouble to get him away alive that puzzles me amigo i think at high time they look to their own lives without being so particular about that of their prisoner santissima virgin as i live there's a woman among them yes i see her i know her her presence explains why they're taking him alive you know her and him too poor fellow i hope she will befriend him but i was hindered from continuing the explanation just at that moment the led horses were rushed up to and those in charge of the wounded were seen to spring to their backs here and there a double mount proclaimed that the disabled men were still capable of making a last effort for their lives all had got upon their horses and in a straggling crowd were making to join the main band when just at that moment one of the horses that carried two men was seen to swerve suddenly from the line and heading up the valley came galloping in our direction the horse appeared to have taken fright and shied away from the others while the men upon his back were tossing and writhing about as if trying to restrain him at the same instant half a dozen mounted arapahoes were seen shooting forth from the crowd and with loud yells galloping in pursuit of the runaway the double-loaded steed a powerful animal kept on his course but not until he had approached within three or four hundred paces of our own front could i account for this strange maneuver then was i enabled to comprehend the mysterious escapade the rider upon the croup was frank wingrove he upon the saddle was a red arapaho the bodies of the two men appeared to be lashed together by a rawhide rope but in front of the indian i could perceive the muscular arms of the young backwoodsman tightly embracing the chest of the savage while with the reins in his fingers he was guiding the gallop of the horse with a shout of joy i hailed the escape of my comrade now no longer problematical in a score of seconds more we should meet the pursuers satisfied that his recapture was hopeless without risking their own scalps had already turned with a despairing shout and were galloping back wingrove was near enough to hear the cry of encouragement that passed from my lips and soon recognizing me despite the disguise of the serape headed his horse directly towards us hurrah cap'n cried he as he came up 
have ye air a knife to cut me clar o dis injun durn the nigger i've got him in a little of the tightest fix he's been in for a while i reckon doggone ye keep still ye skunk or i'll smash every rib in your body quiet now during all this time the indian was making the most strenuous efforts to free himself from the grasp of his powerful adversary now endeavoring to throw himself down from the horse anon trying to turn the animal in an opposite direction but the thongs intended to secure his captive and which had no doubt been wound around both of them by a third hand had become bonds for himself wingrove who had by some means wrenched his wrists free from their fastenings had turned the tables upon his captor by transforming him into a captive i chanced to be without a knife but the mexican was supplied with the necessary implement and drawing it from its sheath shot past me to use it i thought he intended to cut the thongs that bound the two men together so did he but not till after he had performed another operation which consisted in plunging his blade between the ribs of the arapaho at the stab the indian gave utterance to his wild death shout in the same instant his head coggled over upon his shoulder his body relaxed its muscular tension and hung limp over the rawhide rope a snig of the red blade severed the thong and the indian's body sliding down from the withers of the horse fell with a dull dead sound upon the turf here americano cried the trapper holding out the ensanguined knife to wingrove take this weapon for want of a better let us on see the picaros are making off vamos nos vamonos the incident had delayed us but for a very short while perhaps not half a minute but as we returned to the charging gallop most of our party had passed us and the foremost were already within rifle range and opening fire upon the arapahoes End of chapter seventy seven recording by john brandon